Turn with me to Luke chapter 11 and verse, we're going to look at verse 3 today. I was going to do 3 and 4, but uh, I think I'm going to just do verse 3 today. And uh, uh, we're in a series, this is actually part 4, I believe, on praying the prayers that Jesus taught us to pray. And we're in the middle of what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. And two weeks ago, we looked at praying that God's kingdom would come. And I love what happened at the altar time two weeks ago when we were up here. And the Lord just dropped it in my heart how, how that statement, your kingdom come, is a statement of warfare. And that for the kingdom of God to come, another kingdom has to be displaced. And so the, the, my own kingdom has to bow or bend to the kingdom of God, right? Or the kingdom of darkness has to bow and bend to the kingdom of God. It's about his lordship. Hallelujah. Most of the struggles that you and I have in life is a battle of wills. Isn't that right? It's a battle of kingdom authority. Is God's kingdom going to have precedent in this decision, or is my own kingdom going to have authority? In the, in the world, it, it really is a clashing between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And where the kingdom of darkness rules, we can expect all kinds of chaos and disorder. Don't get mad at the kingdom of darkness when they do things that darkness does. What sense does that make? We just heap condemnation. Oh, look at all those people. They're just doing what darkness does. We've got to pray for the kingdom of God to come. We've got to pray for the kingdom of God to move. We've got to pray for the kingdom of God to displace the kingdom of darkness and bring people into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of freedom, the kingdom of hope. Hallelujah. And there, when they come into that kingdom, there's transformation. The old is changed into the new. There's, there's uh, lives that are never the same in Jesus' name. God, let your kingdom come. He goes on in the prayer in verse 3, and he says this, Give us day by day our daily bread. Give us day by day our daily bread. Father, I thank you for this phrase in the word of God. Give us day by day our daily bread. Lord, I ask that you would do a work in our hearts. Let your scripture mold and make and shape our attitudes, how we think, how we perceive. God, we pray that we would be transformed today by the living word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. When Jesus calls us to pray for daily bread. He is talking about bread that we have to eat. Uh, elsewhere, he says, man shall not live by bread alone. In fact, he told, he told the devil that 
uh, in his temptation, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we surely know that the word that comes from God is more important than physical food. Yet, we need physical food. There are seasons of fasting where we push uh, food away for the sake of seeking God. But we can't live every day like that. Day in and day out, we need sustenance to, to, to live, right? To eat. And so Jesus is talking about physical bread. And so I, I just want to draw some things out of this verse that uh, speak to our hearts as we, as we look at it. First, the very fact that Jesus has called us to pray this is an acknowledgement that all provision comes from the Lord. All provision comes from the Lord. There are many that are caught up in self-sufficiency. They have an attitude that is basically like this. I provide for myself. If you have that attitude, I provide for myself, then you will look to yourself for provision. Well, if I, if I don't have enough, well, then I just need another job. If I don't have enough, then, it's, then the burden of that is on me. But the acknowledgement that bread comes from the Lord, that daily bread comes from God, is a beautiful place of humility and strength in the kingdom because we are acknowledging that he is the provider. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm uh, working with a couple uh, from another city, actually, and uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, an, it's a Facebook Messenger relationship. And the husband works seven days a week and cannot ever take a day off because we just don't have enough to make ends meet. And do you know what that's a symptom of? That's a symptom of self-sufficiency. When God is my provider, when I am looking to him to meet my needs, then suddenly my life frees up. Hallelujah. Suddenly I'm not looking to how hard I work to get all the bills paid. We acknowledge that our bread comes from the Lord. Now in Philippians, we're going to look at a, a couple of different passages in the book of Philippians. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, uh, Paul is commending them for an offering. The Philippians were a very poor people. They were a very poor church. And he says to them in verse 14, you have done well that you shared in my distress. You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So this was the only church that it just dawned on them, hey, we ought to help Brother Paul out. And so they received an offering. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, 
but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things you sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And so here this Philippian church gave, and it sounds like more than once, they gave to the ministry of Paul. They sent it by the hand of Epaphroditus, and when he received that gift, he went, oh, thank you, Father. I am blessed indeed. And then look what he says to the Philippians in verse 19. And he says this, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. My God shall meet your needs. Jesus taught us to pray. God is the, is the one that gives bread. God is the one, and by bread, I mean everything that you need to live. God is the one that supplies it. Hallelujah. And so if you don't have enough today, I want you to know that there is one that has enough today. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. There are testimonies all throughout this room of, of times in our lives when we didn't have enough. And you know what God called us to do during those times? Give. And you know what happened when we did that? God opened up heaven. So when you come before the Lord and you say, God, I, I need daily bread, do you, know, do you know what sometimes he'll do? He'll say, take, take that little bit of bread that you do have, that crumb that you do have, and give it. And when God does that, be obedient because there is a miracle that's about to happen. And you see that throughout the scriptures. Do you want to spend your life uh, providing for yourself? Or do you want to spend your life tapping in to the provision that God has for you? Praise the Lord. The second thing that, that this phrase speaks to is that the act of asking should be daily. Daily. It speaks to the nature of devotion to the Lord. That it is a daily devotion. It is not a weekly devotion like our gatherings. We gather on the first day of the week because that's when Jesus rose from the, the dead. But our devotion to the Lord is daily. Amen? It is daily. Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give us today the bread that we need right now. Give it to us today. It's daily. And this goes back to the Israelites in Exodus chapter 16. And I want to read to you an account that speaks to the, the nature of our devotional life daily. In verse 11 of Exodus 16, And the Lord spoke to Moses. So the young people were talking about Moses this morning. And now Moses is the leader of, of Israel in, in, in chapter 16. The Lord spoke to Moses, 
saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them and say, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And so it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it is. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's needs, one omer for each person, according to the number of people. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. Can you imagine they didn't listen to Moses? Uh, this happened over and over and over. Some of them left part of it until morning. And the part that was left in the morning, it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. This is a people that is learning to trust in God. This is two million people in the wilderness that are not farming, that are not, uh, they, don't, they don't have enough animals to, to meet the need. They, they are wandering in the wilderness, and they say, Moses, what are we going to eat? If you read the part before that, they say, it would have been better if we were still in Egypt. We had meat in Egypt. We had food in Egypt. We had, we had onions in Egypt. We had everything that was provided for us by the Egyptians. It would be better for us. We wish we could go back, and we wish you never would have led us here. And that's what led to this. And God proved that daily he would provide. Daily. Daily. Do you know, every, you know what we need every single day? Every single day we need a portion from God's word. Now, as a believer, you don't have to spend every moment, every breathing moment in God's word, reading. You know, as you get more and more hungry for God's word, you're going to read more and more. But you need to discipline yourself to be in the Word every single day. God has a portion for you today that you can't get yesterday and you can't get tomorrow. You have to have it today. Daily. Your daily devotion to the Lord. Daily looking to God for provision. So... Some of the people, then they found out on the sixth day that two portions came on the sixth day because they were to rest on the Sabbath. They were to not work. They were to honor God as the one that provides. And on the sixth day, 
They collected twice as much, and in the morning it was just as fresh as the morning before. It didn't stink. It didn't develop worms. God met every need that the Israelites had through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. He met their need. So we're not church in a time of overwhelming revival. So we're not church in a time of overwhelming growth. So we're not church in a, in a season where we are seeing uh, miracle after miracle after miracle. You might be in a wilderness season of your life. But even in the wilderness, God meets your need when you look to him every single day. He meets the need. He bridges the gap from Egypt to the promised land every single day day. He proves himself real to you if you will but look to him. And they called it manna, which means, what is it? It's the bread of provision to be collected daily. Thirdly, the phrase embodies the simple concept of trust and peace that we're to walk in. This is not a prayer that you pray frantically. Oh, God, I hope you do this. This is a prayer that, that you pray with great, with great assurance that God will do what he says he will do. He will provide. He will make a way. Jesus walked in this in a very literal way. In, in the Sermon on the Mount, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, Therefore I say to you, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this right now, and it's going to go into some of you in a peculiar way because God is going to set you free from worry. Verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They will neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. A pastor friend of mine came up to me yesterday and said, said Darren, my, my wife, for our anniversary, gave me a hat like one you wear. And he said, now I can be as cool as you. 
And I looked at him and I said, no, sir, that's not possible. <laughs> that was vain, wasn't it? Friends, we got to quit worrying about tomorrow. The enemy would use this season of difficult inflation in our world. Your dollars aren't stretching like they used to as far as our economy is concerned. But God is bigger than the economy. And there is a testing along with Along with the, the difficult season, there is a testing amongst God's people. Are they going to continue to be obedient with tithes and offerings to the Lord? Are they going to continue to be at peace, knowing that God is in control? The anger towards people that you think are in control of it all is, really doesn't carry you very far. But trust in the living God day by day who gives me daily bread. Not according to the riches of Washington, D.C., praise the Lord. But according to his riches in glory where there is no inflation. God, forgive us. For worrying. Deliver us. You're the one that gives daily bread. And finally this morning, this phrase, give us day by day our daily bread. It embodies within it a contentedness that we should have concerning earthly possessions. Contentedness. Paul told Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Are you one that has to have the latest gadget every time it comes out? That merry-go-round never ends, friends. It never ends. And that free phone that you think that you get, it is not free. You will pay every dime for it. You might just stretch it out in payments for five years or whatever. You will pay for it. Gadgets, stuff. But God calls his people to be content and to not see your life as advancing because of a possession that you now finally have. God, deliver us from that kind of thinking. For we bring nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out of it. 
and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Content is a place of peace. It's where peace is in control of my life. Contentment is the opposite of chaos. People's lives are in chaos because they have to work so hard. Why? To make all the payments of everything that I've stretched my, my uh, income out for, my, all my credit stretched out because of all this stuff that I have. Contentment is the opposite of envy. Those people that live in the house that you wish you could live in, most of them are not happy. Can I tell you that? Most of the people in wealthy neighborhoods are stretched to the max in debt working three or four jobs to try to pay it all. It is the opposite of contentment. Contentment releases you from having to keep up with the Joneses. If your last name is Jones here, I apologize. Well, maybe I don't. Everybody's trying to keep up with you. That means you're in the front. I don't have to please men. I don't have status symbols by what I drive or the symbol on the back of my phone. I'm free. I'm content. Paul learned this. He said in the book of Philippians, going back to Philippians, now I'm going to end where I started in verse 11. I don't speak in regard to need, he said, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Paul had times where he was incredibly wealthy with material goods. He also had times where he had nothing. And in both of those, he learned to abound, that the substance of his life was not consistent with what his bank account said, but by with what was happening inside his heart in his relationship to Jesus. Oh, praise God. I know how to be... abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned to both be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And that's the context for one of the most famous scriptures in the New Testament. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, contentedness. Jesus taught us to pray this. Today, 
give us our daily bread. I want to tell you that the person that will pray this every day will be the people that are happy, be the people that are walking in the joy of heaven over their lives. They're the people that are rooted in something of substance. The genuine people that are looking to the Lord in all things. He's given me everything I need for life and godliness. He's given us freely all things so that I might enjoy them. But when I don't have them, guess what I am? Content. Content. Day by day. And so I would like us right now in your own relationship with Jesus to just bow your head before him and just pray this prayer that Jesus so beautifully taught us to pray. And so that's what we do, Lord. We bow our head before you. And with the acknowledgement that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider, with the acknowledgement that you are my source, God, with simple trust, that defies worry <laughs> with a rooted sincerity we say God today meet our needs God today be our source for daily bread. Deliver us from worry. We repent of it. Deliver us from discontentedness. We repent of it. In the name of Jesus, Give us today our daily bread. And all God's people said,